Hello, welcome to Run the Reel. Are you ready for your movie review featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan? Oh no. <laughs> Someone does not fit in here. <laughs> I think I was too excited. I don't think I'm going to pass my psyche valve. Psyche evaluation denied. No. Terry has failed. He cannot go to Neptune. Please report to your conditioning room. Oh, God. I'm going to have to go back to Mars, aren't I? You must go back with the monkey. Oh, God. I want to go see him. <laughs> All right. So we are at our final review in our ketchup category. Well, 2019 ketchup. It's got an expiration date. Yeah. Our official 2019 ketchup. Yeah, if you're just tuning in to this, uh, this episode, we're just catching up on stuff we missed in 2019 that we wanted to watch, but we didn't get the chance to. And uh, Terry picked this one, didn't you? I did, yeah. I was kind of curious about it. The trailer looked intriguing. I had a lot of questions, but I just never went and saw it. So now's my chance. What was it, Terry? Oh, right. Uh, Ad Astra is what I chose. The space adventure. I'm just going <laughs> to blow through the logistic stuff real quick. Ad Astra, released in 2019, perfect for our 2019 catch-up category. It has a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb with an 80 meta score and 84% tomato meter with a 40% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, what the? This movie <laughs> was uh, directed by James Gray and stars a very angsty Brad Pitt with a Tommy Lee Jones as the dad. There's some other people in here too, but the main focus is Brad Pitt for most of the movie. Man, what is it with these movies that we pick and having this huge divide between the critics and the audience? does seem to be our thing isn't it yeah it's like the last like three or four reviews we've done have had this huge divide this is true are we movie critics here or uh, movie appreciators amateur movie critics i guess yeah <laughs> or are we just explorers on the lonely endless sea of digitally streamed bits and pixels yeah on our island sending out rays searching for quality movies on distant worlds hoping and searching then behold a message from a being long thought dead oh it's the emperor what no <laughs> wait a minute after <laughs> revenge no. he's back again <laughs> he's after revenge no. i'm gonna tell you all my plan somebody close the portal <laughs> <laughs> but here i want to i want to back up to something because terry said quality movie hunt and i know that terry does not watch quality movies at saturday night at 2 a.m. He watches. He goes on Amazon and finds the weirdest crap he can, and he watches it. You don't know me. I've seen it. I've been exposed. I'm so ashamed. It's true. I don't. I'm literally just looking for anything. Something like Drunken Ninja 5.2. Yeah. I'll watch anything. Anaconda in space. I would watch that, yes. I would too. <laughs> I have been watching a lot of like bad movies recently, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about our catch-up at Astra. Yeah. So I guess just quick synopsis on the story. I know we're probably going to spoil this one, but this is an angsty movie because Brad Pitt has some major daddy issues that span across the galaxy. And he goes to find out what's going on with his dad. That's the simplest thing there. Dan was reading off some quotes. And uh, how did you say it, Dan? It sounded like being in a teenage emo rock band. <laughs> it's very unfortunate. Just reading all the quotes on IMDb out of context. This is very unfortunate what it sounds like. I think we could spin this into a positive, though. You know, I didn't realize how angsty it sounded because Brad Pitt was doing a pretty good job at it, I thought, you know? That's true, yeah. Yeah. He really nailed it, I thought. Before we jump too far in here, um, James Gray said that before he made this movie, he wanted to make the most realistic space travel movie ever. But that's really not a big focus of this movie. It's not very realistic, though, either. It's more realistic than a lot of sci-fi, though, I would say. I guess. It seems like kind of the core driving factor of the film doesn't make a lot of sense, but, I mean... 
having to go to Mars to beam a message is not very uh efficient well but it's also a top secret message so they had to like get off of earth they said it was the most secure place that they had left they can't do it on earth because it could get intercepted or found that makes sense to me i find that hard to believe (laughs) well i guess let's get into what did you guys think of ad astra i feel like i should preface my thing by saying i didn't know anything about this movie going into it i don't even remember seeing a trailer for it I didn't even know Brad Pitt was in it until like the movie opened up. I had no idea. I don't know why it was so far off my radar. So uh, yeah, you know, I didn't have any expectations and uh, maybe that was a good thing. I I saw one trailer for it and I was kind of like, eh, that looks interesting. And then I heard a little bit of buzz about it and I've also heard some like negative stuff about it too. I heard it was kind of divisive, like we were talking about earlier. And um, I was pleasantly surprised by it. So <laughs> hmm. Interesting. I'm going to say this is a gorgeous movie. I love looking at this movie. There's pretty much every shot in this could be framed and hung up somewhere like a piece of art. It's a very good looking movie. It's got a very powerful message, but how it gets to that message and everything is hmm, (laughs) not quite as good as what it could have been. You know, I thought this was going to be like some high concept sci-fi movie, but no, it's a it's a drama with the backdrop of sci-fi. Brad Pitt has some major daddy issues in this movie, which is kind of different and I don't know. I wanted to be challenged more in the way that sci-fi can challenge you with the dystopian future or are we alone in the universe which this one kind of has as a subtext but that's not the main focus of the movie it has some interesting stuff in it i didn't hate the movie but i didn't think it was that great so just to give credit to where credits due, we're making brad pitt's character sound like he's emo daddy issues all the time right which is not true he in fact spends the majority of the film doubting that his father is actually alive and thinks he's dead. And it's not until about halfway through the film where he starts coming to terms with, oh, maybe he is alive. How is that affecting me as a person and that kind of stuff? So kind of accepting emotions overall, you know, like letting himself actually feel stuff rather than push it all down and compress it. Which is such an angsty teenage theme in and of itself. That's true, but it's also kind of a a theme, like what, in our society a little bit? I can't connect with anybody. All these people laughing and joking and high-fiving around me, and I connect to no one because I feel nothing. Well, that's the thing, though. He does feel stuff, but he's like forcing it away, and that's what it's saying is like, you, you shouldn't do that. That's not a good thing to do. You shouldn't be compressing your emotions. It's not like, I'm so tough. It's like, you can tell that this is a problem. Well, see, the problem is they set up Brad Pitt's character that way, and then he just does like a complete 180 halfway through the movie, which I don't feel like is very justified, considering how they set him up in the beginning. Yeah, I I I would agree that it doesn't really happen like smoothly, I feel like once he gets in that ship and is alone for like whatever the 72 days, that's really when he like starts to freak out. But which kind of makes sense a little bit because that's all he's got is himself. But they don't really spend a lot of time on it, I think, which is part of the problem. Yeah, it's so quick. They spend so much time in the first hour and 30 minutes before he even leaves for Neptune. Yeah, I mean, on Mars, he was kind of starting to freak out a little bit, too. After like his what's that guy, the colonel or whoever commander has like his heart attack and then he starts to learn more about what happened on this project and after that's when he kind of starts to get really upset well he's not a dumb guy he's a smart dude so he figures out that his dad's still alive and that's what sets off everything for him right because he's obviously from hearing how he talks or i guess thinks and how he interacts with everybody else you could tell that there's some issues there with his dad being gone. And then when he learns that, oh, he wasn't the hero I thought he was, he's got to just know for real 
at that point. Yeah. Well, and that's like, you know, he's like, oh, if my dad had to leave, he was, you know, dedicated to this. He's doing something for the betterment of mankind. But then, yeah, that kind of shifts over on its head where it's like, oh, he could have come back, but he chose he'd rather just stay all alone on this space station and do God knows what rather than come back and be with the people who care about him. You used a phrase, TV, early on there in this talk where you said he was compressing his emotions. And I feel like this doesn't work super well because there's never like a release of compressed emotions. He's always cool, calm Brad Pitt. You know, maybe he gets like a tear, but it's like a tear trickle. You know, there's not like a, he's not like Charlie Sheen in Platoon with like a big sobbing release of all the horrors moment. He's always pretty chill. On Mars, he's like punching the walls and stuff. So that's something. I mean, there's not a lot. I'll give you that. But there's some moments in there where he is like freaking out and not so calm and cool anymore. His heart rate's racing. He can't pass his psychological exams anymore. You know, what I'm just going to say about this movie is that I enjoyed everything except the drama part of this movie a lot more. The drama part just wasn't that interesting to me. I couldn't connect to it. I couldn't relate with it. But some of the other stuff on in this movie is actually really cool, like the visuals, the space travel, when they encounter that chimp that's gone like uh, feral. Oh, yeah, the space ape. Yeah, that thing was cool. The uh, Fox and I were talking about this earlier, if you want to talk about it, Fox, the moon battle. Yeah, the moon buggy battle. They, they have a little car chase scene with moon buggies and pistols. And yeah, <laughs> space pirates. Yeah, that is a wicked realistic semi whatever you know semi realism realized space pirate scene did love that yeah so it's like we got this cool backdrop view of this world that's really interesting with this very mediocre drama over the top of it that's angsty and i was way more interested in the background stuff happening in this movie yeah i did like the world building a lot i thought it was pretty cool with the Kind of, and it is kind of like a more subtle. They don't really like throw it in your face. It's kind of, you know, the moon is this weird, like everybody's trying to take control of the land on there and who knows what's going on with Earth, but there's like colonies on Mars. I thought all that stuff was really cool. But I mean, I found the drama stuff actually pretty cool too. So I don't know. But I will agree that the world building and all that's really interesting. It reminds me of this Risk game that Dan bought way back in the day where you could go to the moon. <laughs> and like we all went up there and it was just this no man's land that you could go up there and everybody just fight over it. It was really cool. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, me and Mike had a nice peaceful like situation. And then look, gold Dan comes up there and wipes me out. Hmm. <laughs> Dan like started shooting nukes up on the moon or something. <laughs> yeah. Dan was the space pirates and I was just a... Uh, the old man having the heart attack. There's no way to run on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I think the moon was like my first issue with like the sci-fi aspect. Because they like play this off as like a semi-realistic sci-fi film that's pretty grounded. But don't they make a they make a comment about the moon, right? Like people are fighting over like mining on the moon? Uh I don't know about that. I think they're just fighting over like land on the moon. Resources and land. Because there's, like there's a ton of, like, what resources are on the moon exactly? They don't tell us. We don't know. That seems to be an overarching theme for the grounded sci-fi of this movie. It's about resources? That they just don't tell us. <laughs> I don't think it's really a theme, though. I mean, it's like a thing in the background, but it's not really something that's important to the movie that they're trying to tell. Like, what are those moon pirates trying to accomplish exactly by attacking the buggies? There was a line that they're taking hostages that other countries will use as leverage for other things. So I'm assuming they're just out there patrolling, taking what they can get, and then they're kind of just like pirates. They'll just steal whatever and then hope for the reward. Because it seemed like they were more interested in murdering everybody than taking them hostage. That's true, actually. Yeah. They shot rockets at them. I mean, you can't exactly take, you know, uh, <laughs> an empty spacesuit full of mush hostage. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was somebody else's area that they thought they controlled. It's it's a war zone. I don't know. It just seemed like the first of several things that they were like, this is like the near future and realism that I was like, but why and how? And Their realism doesn't make much sense. I think it would have worked better if they went more sci-fi fantasy with it as opposed to trying to do sci-fi because the sci-fi in the movie's not that great for the most part. It's just a bunch of implausible things that you can't really do 
when you're trying to base it in hard science fiction and keep it like realistic. So the entire end of the movie is complete bonkers if you try and view it through a realistic lens. Don't get me wrong. Um, well, let me just bring up the example. So the end of the movie, he gets to the space station, finds his dad there. And his dad's like, I'm a big jerk. Uh, I don't care about you or your mom. Never did. Insane, probably. Yeah, he's gone nuts. All that aside, he ends up dying. And Brad Pitt's like, I got to get back to my ship. So his idea, right, is I'm going to get on this spinning thing on this science vessel. It's spinning very slowly, I might add. And I'm going to jump off of that and use that force to fly back to my ship. So he's doing that, but he's got to go through the rings of... Neptune? Neptune. I get Neptune and Venus confused. One of them's gas. I know that. Neptune is gas. Venus has gas, too. And by the way, Neptune is big. Like, not Jupiter big, but it's big. So he would have been out there floating for a long time. But anyways, he's got to jump back to his ship off this propeller thing, and he's got to go through the ring of Neptune, which is a bunch of small rocks and space debris. So he's he, he takes a panel off of the ship, and he use, uses it as a shield while he's flying through the air back to his ship. That, if you view it from a realistic sci-fi perspective, which this movie is going for, it is complete junk. It's so stupid you wouldn't even attempt it. It's ridiculous. Not to mention them blowing up the nuke to use as propellant to get back to Earth. It's all ludicrous. No one would ever do that in a realistic thing. But if it was from a sci-fi fantasy perspective, then it's crazy and I love it. And <laughs> like, it's so cool that he does it. It's just in the the realm of the movie and what it's trying to do, it doesn't make any sense. And that's what most of the sci-fi is like in this movie, unfortunately. It doesn't fit within the realistic perspective that they're going for. Well, hold, hold up. You missed some. Brad Pitt climbs onto a rocket that is currently blasting off of Mars, and somehow he gets in there, and then he, like, kills three guys in there. On a rocket that's taking off from Mars, that does not happen. Is he not walking on the surface of Mars when he gets up to that rocket? In like the middle of the day in a storm? I don't think it's a storm. No, he swims. He swims in the underground lake. Right, but he swims and then he comes up out of like the sewage. You know how much gravity's on Mars? Don't, aren't, isn't everything heavier on Mars? No. No? Okay, it's not heavier. Isn't it also like a billion degrees hot on Mars? No, Mars is very cold. Mars is colder than here, yeah. What? Because it's farther away from the sun. I thought you like cooked on Mars. No, that's Venus. If you go Venus or Mercury, you're going to you're going to cook at Venus or Mercury, but no, Mars is cold. I feel like Dan has a point about pressure though because the more pressure there is, the hotter it's going to be, right? No, no. Mars is smaller than Earth and it's colder. I'm already seeing a key difference on how you guys watch this movie and how I watch this movie. Well, no, 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 it, it, it's not a key difference. It's, it's a criticism of the perspective of the film, right? Because they are going for the realistic approach, but all the things they do don't make sense within a realistic approach. If they'd gone more sci-fi fantasy with it, then I wouldn't have had a problem with it. Because, like I said, I love that he jumps off of the space station with his shield to block all the rocks. I love it. It's awesome. None of this bothered me in the slightest. I had never crossed my mind. I didn't think of this movie in, like, a hard sci-fi. It's obviously more realistic, yes, but it's fine. I don't think it's that bad. I mean, and yeah, sure, it's a little more realistic, but it's still, like, a sci-fi epic kind of thing so there is going to be some elements of this craziness that i'm like willing to give it and I, it's not about the space stuff. it's more about the emotions rather than like the the space stuff anyways the space stuff's just the backdrop that's true but look at interstellar 
Mike, you can quote me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure almost all of the science, actual science in that film checks out, right? Except for the crazy fourth dimensional stuff at the end. See, that that's what I'm comparing this to, right? Th this isn't a sci-fi epic, in my opinion. It's a it's a simple story about a son and his father and them reconnecting, right? That that's how I viewed this. But it's like comparing it to Interstellar, Interstellar is the the sci-fi epic, right? Where they're telling the story, and yeah, it has fantasy elements at the end of it, but all the actual science in it, for the most part, checks out and is believable and makes sense. Whereas in this one, it doesn't. <laughs> but see, both of them go for that realistic approach. And it it just it doesn't really work in Ad Astra because they didn't check out any of the science, right? Well, it works for me, though. I mean, I, like I said, maybe it's because I'm more uneducated on the space stuff, but yeah, like, I, it's not going to bug me too much if they're going to take some liberties with this kind of thing. And I'm fine with that, too. I just, it would have been better if they went for the sci-fi fantasy approaches instead of realism because then I wouldn't have, like, all these other issues with it. So... I'm going to jump in here. I When you do a sci-fi movie or a book or something, you get two kind of crowds who are very attracted to sci-fi. You get the guys who are like, oh, the hard science, it makes me so turned on, you know? <laughs> I love learning about the gravity on these new planets. It makes me so happy, you know? Like, they just go all out on that. And they're like, I love this stuff. And then you get the guys who are like, I want the fantasy stuff. I want the sci-fi um, dystopian societies that explore uh, real-world issues through a sci-fi fantasy approach, you know, or sci-fi fantasy issues that'll come in the future. So you kind of get two sides of sci-fi fantasy or just sci-fi science, and there's those are like the major players when you do sci-fi stuff. And this one, I guess, I don't know, it tries to go for the realistic approach like you were saying dan but it doesn't do it very well even though they said they were gonna do it well they didn't do it well well they do it well for some of it like the lunar buggy stuff is pretty well done for the most part like that one that scene actually works within the confines of realism um because you can shoot guns in zero g like they're doing well not zero g you know what i mean you can shoot guns in space and all that stuff but then it pulls the epic jump through the rings with a shield maneuver and you it's kind of like this is really cool but it doesn't fit with what you're doing <laughs> so like yeah almost everything brad pitt does is like iron man version of what he should be able to do pretty much yeah like, even the start of the movie, I mean, he survives from, he's in the way upper atmosphere jump, and that that can be done, like the guy did it, you know, in real life, he jumped from the upper atmosphere down, but his parachute was, like, majorly effed up, and it was all falling down on top of him and everything, so... It's, it's just, there's a lot of story and plot conveniences that break the hard... Um, science sci-fi approach immersion that this movie goes for i don't know if i'd call them i mean convenience i guess you know i would say set pieces I, I think i'm fine with them giving it up if they're gonna give me an awesome set piece like him falling it down from the space elevator or whatever that thing was or him jumping through the asteroids like if they're gonna do something awesome then i'm a-okay with them bending the rules or breaking them entirely as long as it pays off cinematically for me like that whole space elevator thing, oh my god, I was like on the edge of my seat watching that. I was so tense. Yeah, that was a good scene. Oh, I like the space elevator. Yeah. It once again like reawakened this weird fear within me where like, <laughs> it's the same thing when I played uh, this game called Subnautica where Ooh. it's like a fear I didn't know I had of like, instead of like, you know how deep water is like a phobia for people. And this time I was like, man, if I was just in space and like things started breaking. Like, <laughs> you're screwed. Like, it's such a scary thought just being alone, you know, drifting or falling down from that high. Ugh. Subnautica is so good. I'm just <laughs> plugging it. Play that game. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and see, for me, I don't have a problem with that stuff either, Terry. 
It's just they try the the movies set in realism or they're trying to and what they do doesn't fit within that. So it's it's to me that's a criticism. I get that. Especially when we have like uh Interstellar or 2001 a Space Odyssey where pretty much most of that science checks out. Contact. <laughs> Contact science does not check out. Man, we can't forget about Contact, especially whenever this movie just tries to be Contact 2.0. No spoilers, I haven't seen Contact. Well, spoiler alert, it's about a scientist trying to find her dad. What? How dare you ruin this for me? I'm sorry, it's about more than that, but it is suspiciously similar. So, um, getting off of that, the if you read the IMDb trivia, the director says that he had to compromise heavily on the uh, climax and the ending of this movie before it even started getting made, even with Brad Pitt signed on. So he did not get the ending he wanted. What did he compromise on? It doesn't say. If you just go read it, it says that he had to compromise on it with the studio before it even got greenlit, even with Brad Pitt signed on to act and produce. Well, that's unfortunate. If you're trying to make something like this, you don't compromise. <laughs> and I mean, the ending does feel very off from the rest of it, I'd say, because it's all happy-go-lucky, besides the fact that his dad, like, kills himself out at Neptune. Yeah, kind of a downer there. <laughs> but that really wasn't that big of a deal to me, because I didn't really care about that relationship. I just wanted to know if he found aliens or what he found out there with his scanner before he had that major meltdown with his crew. I really like that relationship. I like how it was kind of like how Brad Pitt feels, where he kind of, he knows his dad, but it's not that important to him. But like, as like things progress, you slowly start to see, oh, maybe this relationship was important to him or this lack of relationship. I found all that kind of interesting as it does kind of build up through the movie. I like that too, Terry. They did a good job of subtly building up to it, I thought. And then when he finally gets there and finds out what's going on and hears what his dad has to say, it hits you pretty hard. And he's like, I don't care about you. I never did and I never will. And when he just goes, I know, Dad, it's like, oh, that hurt my <laughs> Oh, I got the feels there, yeah. Right way Brad Pitt just reacts, is like, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, and then the overall message hit hits you pretty good there, too. Um, even before he gets back to Earth, I think. He does a better job when he's there out alone in space with his dad than when it gets back to Earth at the end. That's just the happy ending type of thing. I kind of wish they'd had more time to spend with like him and his dad like together because it does kind of like they meet up and then they leave. But because that, yeah, that stuff was pretty like, oof. That whole thing played out very fast for me. I wasn't a fan of it. Yeah, I feel like the ending was kind of rushed. It's like it's just like a family drama, right? Like, and they get there, and he's like, hey, dad, and his dad's like, I never loved you. I don't love Earth. Okay, and then like, Brad Pitt's like, I know. Then they go outside, and then dad commits suicide, and we're back on the ship. It's like a 10-minute sequence. Yeah, well, that is kind of the theme, though. He had, like, kind of figured that out himself through the movie. I just mean, if you're going to make, like, the movie a drama, maybe put more time into the drama aspect. I don't know. This movie does not spend a lot of time on the relationship between them. It Like, it tries to, but it's not at least for me, meaningful development. I didn't care about their relationship at all. I was more interested in everything else that was happening in this movie. Well, that's that's kind of the pitfall of telling this kind of story, right? Because there's not a relationship between the dad and the son. That's the, the relationship. He forms it in his head as he's getting closer to finding him and finding out what happens. And then he shows up because he wants to rekindle that and have something. And then he realizes um, what a dick his dad is. And then he finally realizes I'm turning into him and I don't want to. So it's not it, it, it it's a hard, very difficult thing to try and portray in a film. And I think they do a pretty good job of capturing that throughout the film by having Brad Pitt like narrate his thoughts and how he's feeling and then having the um psych evals is pretty much in there just to get more of that story going since it's mostly just a one person show here. Yeah, it's a very like internal movie. 
could we talk about for just a minute that this is supposed to be some kind of character morality thing? And he's like, oh, I'm turning into my dad. I shouldn't do that. And murders three people and then has absolutely <laughs> zero consequences for just murdering three people by being an idiot. Well, he doesn't murder them. They kill them. Well, he kills one person and then the other people kill themselves. But yeah. <laughs> mm, he stabs a guy in the stomach. That That's the one dude he kills. But he was going to kill him. He should have had some consequences. Well, he also stopped like the end of the entire life on the galaxy. So I guess, you know, three people. Ugh, which in itself is just a whole stupid thing. I want to jump in here a bit. I've got um, something to say about the one-man show and also a suggestion that I think would have made this movie better. I'm not a big fan of the narrator aspect of this movie. Um, him getting character development through the psych evals because it it doesn't work for me it just kind of feels like so whenever i hear narration in movies it takes me back to like early 2000s where there's like pop punk playing in the background and some teenagers like this is me i skateboard on the weekends but i also go to school (laughs) but nobody really likes me at school which is the same kind of vibe i got from brad pitt's character in this movie Half of the time, half the time he's this super awesome military guy. Half the time he's pop punk guy blasting the, you know, some 41 in the back skate alley, you know. That's what I just immediately think of when I hear narration in movies. I think what would have made the second half of this movie a lot more interesting is you get the girl who was born on Mars, okay. Her parents went with Brad Pitt's dad on this journey to go find extraterrestrial life somewhere out at Neptune why wasn't she on the rocket with him that would have made it a lot more interesting because she was pissed off at Brad Pitt's dad they could have had some development on the way to Neptune and then when they got there her interaction with um, Brad Pitt's dad along with Brad Pitt trying to defend his dad there needed to be something more there for me yeah I kind of like the one-man show aspect of it though I do like it just being about this relationship that is the focus of the movie that kind of thing i i I will agree though the voiceover i thought was kind of a bit much i wish they would have just done more i like the like when he was talking to the robot the psychological exams i thought that was cool i wish they would have just done more with that like had him explain his thought processes through that maybe or something a little bit more because yeah I, i don't know i agree with you that i think a lot of the stuff he says in the voiceover i kind of get from watching the movie visually anyways so i don't know if it was necessary I don't know. It's hard to determine what exactly would have made this work more for me because the one man show, you know, it does also it's like a subtext for space is isolation out there. You're out there by yourself. And that is a cool, you know, parallel that you can make between the story and the drama that's going on. It's very lonely and there's nothing out there. So you've got to connect with the people around you. And I think that's what would have made if that girl was on this journey with him, if she could have um, been there to provide an an outside viewpoint on this and challenge Brad Pitt and then uh, also the dad when they do get there. I think that would have made it more interesting for me overall. I can definitely see the isolation one man show thing too because it is kind of powerful as well. I just didn't connect with it. I think it felt like it could have been a little bit longer, honestly. Yeah, because I think there needed to be more scenes with, yeah, Brad Pitt, like his character developing and taking its time a little bit more with it, I think. It just, it did feel a little rushed. See, to me, I thought it was a little long, which is probably going to amaze you guys. I want a movie to be trimmed down. We're all over the place with this movie. Everybody has something different to say. Yeah, I, I thought it was way too long, like, the the monkey thing was neat, but it it has literally nothing, nothing to do with the rest of the movie. I mean, I guess you could use it to set up that the captain on that ship is incompetent, but that's a lot of effort to go to. And I mean, you could do that a lot easier, right? Or not the captain, but the second in command who becomes the captain. It doesn't fit in there. And there's like, there's a lot of fat that could be trimmed off of of this film. 
and have it just be gorgeous set pieces and shots after another with Brad Pitt doing his psych evals and stuff to get all the character development in there and stuff. Make it a lot more tight so it doesn't feel like it's just dragging its feet for a lot of the film, which it felt like to me. Which is a shame, I think, because I think take out a lot of that unnecessary stuff, make this, I don't know, cut off 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, and I think it'd be a lot better and a lot easier to, like, recommend to people, I'd say. Because, like, man, you're going to sit down for an hour and a half and just see gorgeous shots and get this really unique take on isolationism with space and how it's affecting Brad Pitt, and then that unique drama between him and his dad, which really isn't explored too often in movies, I don't feel like. I think you've all got some good points on that. I think, for me at least, it seemed like a lot of long, very drawn-out setups for some very rushed plot points. All the things that I didn't care about were super long, and the things I wanted to see more of were super fast, was what it seemed like. Yeah, I wanted more of it just because, yeah, I do think it felt a little rushed and that the payouts were a little quick to come and that we needed more development to really make them hit harder. Well, it, it's a simple story um, at its core. Don't embellish it. All killer, no filler. That's what it should try to do. Ooh, some pop punk angsty, oh. I see. <laughs> yeah, how dare you bring this up. In my presence. <laughs> Some 41 in the back skate no. park. Brad Pitt. No. He's going to the moon on an ollie. <laughs> I guess, too, to your point, Terry, if they would have cut out some of that fat and replaced it with more character development, maybe they could have made it work better that way, too, I think. I will say this movie, like, for me, I thought there's, like, whenever there was, like, really tense moments, I like, they do such a good job of creating that tension like when he is looking for the captain on that monkey ship oh god i was so nervous yeah when he's falling off the space elevator there's a lot of moments in this movie that i think they do a really good job of building up tension and keeping you your attention on the screen at least for me yeah, i do think there are some really tense moments and i for me at least i think the music really helped in this one i don't know i really liked the score it was like haunting. I did too. Yeah, it was kind of almost subdued a little bit, but it was really cool. The, yeah, something a little different that I didn't expect. Like there's that, I think there's a, it's the song when the rocket's taking off the first time. That song was like, it was really interesting because it was a lot different than, you know, what you would expect from an epic space thing. I don't know. I, it's hard to explain, but yeah, I do. I think the score is really cool in this movie. I just want to know, why wasn't Brad Pitt listening to Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne Ugh. while traveling to Neptune? Uh. <laughs> it seems like his kind of jam for how... I thought we we forgot all about that. How, how uh, Skater Boy he is in this movie. He's not that bad. God. <laughs> he's, he's... If there's one way to, to get me to not recommend this movie... <laughs> just listen. He was a Skater Boy... He said, see you later, boy. Mars wasn't good enough for him. Oh, jeez. <laughs> now he's an astronaut. Uh -huh. <laughs> Riding on a rocket straight. I can't keep going, but All right. that's good. <laughs> I think you've adequately surmised the plot of this movie. It's, yeah, it's just so, like Fox said to me today, it's so high school cringy, you know, at times that it just doesn't oh, work for me. I wouldn't say that. I'm just so sick of the I'm dead inside thing. Like well, he he doesn't say he's dead inside. Man, his opening monologue is so I feel nothing. I can't feel anything. I'm so sad about my dad leaving. I like it if it's earned, but it doesn't feel earned in this movie. There's never a release. He never releases these supposed compressed he emotions. Does, on he Mars. has a tear trickle. I would say this movie is three fourths um, kind of like world building, try to set up their sci fi science approach, and then one fourth drama, if even that. Really? I would say it's the opposite of that, but I don't know. I, yeah, I feel like the focus is all on the drama, and I think the world building's really, like, subtle, and, like, it's really cool what they do with it, but it's definitely not, like, the focus of the movie. I think it's, yeah, mostly about Brad Pitt and his dad. 
And yeah, I didn't think it was that angsty. I thought it was really interesting. Sure, when Dan was reading it out of context, he's like, okay, yeah, but in the movie, it works really well. That's the thing. It was out of context. In context, it doesn't seem like that at all. There's a little bit of it in there, but it makes sense in in the movie. I don't know. What is the context? I mean... A space sci-fi drama? But, like, does he have to be so angsty in his space sci-fi drama? Well, I mean... A lot of those quotes were like when he's on the moon and he's seeing that the corporations are slowly destroying it and he's like, what are we doing here? All That kind of thing. It's like, yeah, that that I'd probably think the same thing that you do at that point. Man, he has that scene at the beginning where he's like walking through all the people working on his little spaceship and he's like, when I'm done for the day and I see the exit. Just don't touch me. And a guy touches him and he like makes this sad thousand yard stare face. I just got to get through the day. Just don't touch me. Like that's very relatable. He's a very introverted guy. Yeah. Dan even said at the beginning of this, he was like, I was reading the quotes and it sounds like an angsty <laughs> emo song. Out of context. Is it was for it was it is funny reading it out of context. It makes it sound a lot worse than it is. These narrations don't work in any context for me. They're always angsty. Like who thinks like that? Who says that in their head? People with mental problems that are going through some emotional issues. Maybe that's this movie. Maybe it's not a drama about a father and a son. Maybe it's about an extremely disturbed man and his quest to find fulfillment. He has issues because of the absence of a father figure in his life and so this movie's him coming to terms with that now that his father is actually still alive right so he's got to go through some of this early development cycle that he missed out on when he was a kid so it makes sense but then it turns out that it's worse that his father's alive because he doesn't love him anyways yeah it's a hard pill to swallow but he gets over it I d yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's that cringy, but, you know, uh, to each their own, I suppose. I see both sides here. It's not as bad as what Fox and Mike are making it out to be, but there's still that element there. Yeah. <laughs> if they would have not set him up to be the character that they set him up to be in this, like they set him up as the no emotions, no nothing, uh, nothing gets to him guy at the beginning if he would have been relatable from the start yeah i would have bought it but no I, d I don't buy it from the way they set him up i thought he was kind of relatable but that's just me maybe i'm broken inside too oh, oh no aren't we all <laughs> <laughs> just kidding but i don't know i thought it was all pretty compelling all right well i say let's hit some overall presentation let's let's close this one out it seems we we are pretty polarized on it so i'm interested to hear what everybody rates it yeah, so we've got a scale that we use. It goes from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it, in that order. We all give a spiel, and then we try to average it out at the end, if possible. So, there it is. I am I am too curious to see what everybody says about this one. Alright, I'll jump in here before you guys pull out your random picker. I, I gotta say, I really love sci-fi. Um, this one wasn't the best sci-fi I've seen. The world building is really cool, and I was really interested in the world building in this one, and I'm gonna give it a watch it just because of that. The chimp scene was really cool for me, you know? I hadn't thought of something like that happening in space, and just the way it was presented was pretty cool. I liked the imagery of... Um, the planets as he was going by, you know, even if it doesn't make a lot of sense um, science-wise that he's able to go by all these planets because they don't line up in a perfect line. It was cool on a certain way. It itches my, um, my sci-fi thing that I have every once in a while. And I do like seeing sci-fi movies. I like seeing people put these things in there. It was an amazing sci-fi, but I'm going to give it a watch it. I think it did some things really well, other things not really well. Uh, but I can forgive it because there's not a lot of high-budget sci-fi that makes it out there. I think to piggyback off the end of Mad Mike's uh, ending there, I, th I think this movie only exists because of other high-budget sci-fi. To me, this just feels like somebody was like, man, that Interstellar movie, that was pretty successful. What if we just draw a little bit from every major sci-fi movie and make a big movie of it all? 
Because I feel like I just see a lot of pieces of other sci-fi films in this one. So I was talking last night with my girlfriend, right? We watched most of these together. And I was like, I think I'm going to give it a watch it. I was kind of divided, but I was like, you know, it is a big budget sci-fi and there is value in that. And we should try and support sci-fi to keep it coming. But I think I got to give it a pass. I don't, you know, the more we talk about it, the more, I guess, I don't know. Initially, I was indifferent and unconnected to Brad Pitt's character. But the more I think about it, the more annoyed I am by him. The whole sciency thing. Mm. I got to give it a pass, I think. You know, the music's good. Visually, it's gorgeous. But I feel like I spent most of this movie being bored and annoyed. And I don't know. I have no urge to ever see it again. So a pass. Not a burn. Just a pass. Yeah, I was surprisingly, like, enthralled with this movie. Um, I enjoyed almost every minute of it. Sure, maybe they take some liberties with the science of it. But that's never bothered me really in the past with these kind of movies either. I don't really look for that. Uh, I, if it's going to make for a cool set piece, go ahead, bend the rules a little bit, break them even, it's fine. Um, and I think this movie's got a ton of really great set pieces. Like, I'm on the edge of my seat whenever he's falling from the sky or he's floating in space or something like that, climbing into a rocket on Mars. Like, all that stuff was really intense for me, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I think Brad Pitt does a really great job as this character, as being, like, a very insular He's very, like, internal. I think he does really good with that. Tommy Lee Jones is awesome in this movie, too. The little we get to see of him. I do think that maybe it could have been longer, put some more scenes in there, like, to develop things, because it does feel rushed at times. But overall, like, man, I really did like this movie. I think I would even give this a buy it. Like, I thought this movie was pretty awesome. It's different. There's a cool, like, twist at the end where usually in sci-fi it's like there are aliens or something. But I thought it was a kind of unique twist to it. Oh, we're not, we're all alone. This We're the only ones. We're all we got. So I thought that was kind of an interesting turn too. So yeah, I, I think I think it's unique enough. I'm going to give it a, a buy it. I really liked it. I'm going to piggyback off of Fox, where this movie does feel like James Gray watched all the great sci-fi movies of the past and was like, you know what? I can do that too. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's how a lot of people get their start or make, really good movies is they're inspired by the things that came in the past right so there's nothing wrong with that and i'm glad that he did make this movie because overall it's pretty good um i don't have any problems really with the story besides the pacing when it comes to some of the side quests that they go on in the film and the story's interesting it's unique you don't see it very often in big budget movies. They don't like to take the time and look at the struggles a young man has when he's been abandoned by his father. It's not something that is explored a lot. And I think this film does a pretty good job exploring that theme. The visuals are very, very good. Just all the planets going by. It looks nice, of course, but like things when he's on the space antenna and it does the pan over. The ledge and you see Earth below him is really good. Good standout one. The score was good too. I don't really remember it though, which take that <laughs> as you will, but um, it fits with the film and I had no problems with it. The only problem I had was they're going for the realism angle here. More sci-fi as opposed to sci-fi fantasy. But what they do in the film is pretty much fantasy and it's not realistic at all. So there's a big disconnect when things like him jumping through the rings of Neptune with a shield back to his ship occur when the whole theme of the film has been trying to ground it in realism. It's just ridiculous at points. And I think if they would have gone for the sci-fi fantasy approach, then it would have been a lot better because you wouldn't have those really big disconnects between it, the realistic take, and then just ridiculous things happening. As much as I like those ridiculous things, it doesn't really fit within the context of the film and what they're trying to do. So I'm, I'm going to give it a watch it. I did like it a lot. I think, though, the pacing was off, needed trimmed up a lot, and needed to... I don't know, either recontextualize it in the fantasy or make some of the realism stuff actually realistic. All right. Well, there you have it. We had a buy it, two watch it, and a pass. 
So that's a that's a watch it for Ad Astra. Seems so. Yeah. Who would have thought this would be another one that kind of just like <laughs> surprised me? Yeah, I did not expect that. Well, what do you know? 2019 has some surprises yet. So since this is the end of our 2019 category, I was thinking we maybe do like a brief like greatest hits of what we watched this year, our favorites and stuff like that. Anybody got stuff that comes to mind? You know, for me, The Lighthouse was like maybe my favorite of this year. That one, I knew I was going to like it going in, but it blew me out of the water. By far and away surpassed all of my expectations for it. That was a good one, yeah. That, that, I did like that. Pretty, uh, we, yeah, we covered that one, which we covered a lot of the good ones from last year, I think, actually. I know. I was trying to think of someone that we didn't like. I feel like all my favorite ones we did in this show. So I've got a favorite moment in movie history that happened this year. Oh, yeah. I think Dan is going to have the same one as me, but we had a like 10 year journey with Marvel that closed out in 2019. And it closed out with Iron Man saying, I am Iron Man, and snapping the gauntlet. That was so cool and impactful. You know, it that was movie history that happened right there. Um, that's the first time something like that has happened. And that was really cool to be a part of, you know, from the beginning to the end of it. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's crazy because I kind of forgot that was this year. It felt like last year to me, but... Yeah, that happened this year. Dang. It did. Early in the year. I'd agree with that, Mike. That's probably my favorite movie moment of the year, or of 2019, I guess, was that. Say what you will about Marvel movies. They've done something extremely impressive, and that's backed up by how well Avengers Endgame played with audiences and critics and like how much money it made. It's the highest earning movie in, ever. So say what you will about them, but I love I love the Marvel stuff. It's great. It's great fun. They tell great stories and just, yeah, this was our generation Star Wars since Star Wars is junk now. <laughs> We've already covered that one too, huh? <laughs> Who wants to talk about favorite podcast moments? <laughs> Remember that time when we like spent two months of our lives on that? <laughs> I, I guess I'll go since I was already talking. Yeah, of course, Avengers Endgame for me. I'd say I'm with Fox. The Lighthouse is still my favorite movie of last year too. Um, but there are a lot of other good ones that I saw that we didn't talk about. Parasite was excellent. Very good. Best foreign film I've seen in a long time. Mm, that's a good one. Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, did we not review that? Oh, man. We didn't. No spoilers. I haven't seen it. That movie is incredible. The more I think about it, the more I like it. I mean, it, it it's real good. Joker. Joker's up for almost everything at the Oscars for 2019. It deserves it. They did a really good job with that movie. Um, that's one I'd love to talk about on the podcast, but that one's really good. John Wick 3 is continuing the awesomeness of that action series. Godzilla King of the Monsters was Ooh. an epic return of Godzilla to being the blockbuster. Love that. Then there's the the little movie that could, Alita Battle Angel. If you haven't seen that, you need to go buy it and watch it because I was 100% against that film and thought it was going to suck. But guess what? It's actually really cool and really well done. It has some flaws, but I want more of that. So that was probably my biggest surprise of the year was Alita Battle Angel. You know, I was meaning to watch that. When I was thinking of adding, you know, what to pick for the 2019, that did pop up. It crossed my mind for like a little bit. I was like, you know, I, I keep hearing that this is actually good, but. Spoiler alert. I bought it. So oh, oh. <laughs> there you go. I bought it. So I want more of it. So go buy it, please. The trailer looked a little weird to me, but yeah, I kept hearing such good things about it that I'm, I'll definitely have to check it out. Yep. It's good. That's the one that I like had no faith in, but it actually ended up being one of my favorites the last year too. It was great. So yeah, I'll go next, I guess. Uh, 
So my, I think my favorite, if I had to pick one, um, I think it'd probably be Jojo Rabbit. Ooh. I really like that movie. It was like the perfect blend of like comedy drama. It's kind of like Shaun of the Deady almost, like in that way that it kind of blends a lot of these elements together and makes like a really emotional movie. I really liked it. Jojo Rabbit is awesome. You guys should go see it. I do want to see that. I kind of forgot that it was 2019 because I just saw it the other day. But <laughs> Some other ones that made the list... Uh, us, I really liked Us. I thought that was like a great follow up uh. to Get Out. Um, shush now. <laughs> I liked it maybe even better than Get Out. I've seen it several times since it's been out. I bought it, so if that says anything, I literally like that one. Uh, Knives Out, I really like too. Do you want to watch that? Very stylish. Godzilla, like Dan said, I loved it. Oh, great movie. Yeah. It's such like a fan servicey movie, so I can see why people might not like that one as much. But for me, awesome. Lighthouse, we've talked about that. We have a whole review of it, so I probably don't need to say too much about it except for that. It's great. <laughs> uh, Parasite, awesome. Loved it. Great foreign film. Uh, Uncut Gems. Oh, man. It was in this series. That was uh, good, too. <laughs> pretty good. That was incredible. And then you may be <laughs> interested to hear, but a recent addition to my list, Ad Astra. <laughs> hey. <laughs> So <laughs> Terry came prepared, man. He's got a he's got a list. I did. I there's a handy little app that let me make a list of my you can like make just random lists of movies. So I made one for my favorites of twenty nineteen. So there they are. That's like the top ones at least that I could think of. Yeah, it was a good year for movies, that's for sure. Are we doing what we're looking forward to this year too? Cause I got one. What are you looking forward to, Mike? Denis Villeneuve has a movie that's scheduled to come out this year. I don't think it's going to come out this year. I think it's going to get pushed back. But Dune, Denis Villeneuve is making Dune. And I, I'm i not even worried because I can't think of an epic movie that is in better hands than with Denis Villeneuve. Same here. That guy's amazing. And I have no doubts that he's going to do it justice because... He's even said that Dune is a huge inspiration for him and everything he's done. I'm a I'm a come off of our review for um Midsummer. Come off our review for Midsummer talking about directors making perfection. Denise already done that with Blade Runner 2049. That movie is his best film and is like perfect. So, I have extremely high expectations for dune just because of who's making it and that happens to be my favorite sci-fi book of all time and is very high in the running for my favorite book of all time too so i have extremely high expectations for that film and I am super excited that he's doing it. The only thing I'm a little concerned about is his cinematographer is not Roger Deakins for this one. But Roger Deakins is pretty old, honestly. It is uh, Greg, uh, I want to say you say his last name, Fraser? It's not spelled like Fraser, But he did uh, Rogue One, Zero Dark Thirty, Lion, Foxcatcher, and now Dune. And I think him with Denis Villeneuve is... A good combo as well. May, may not be Roger Deakins, but I am not worried about it at all. He wouldn't have picked him for Dune if he wasn't confident. He's one of the only directors who I have complete faith in. Yep, so far so good. Like, yeah, he's nailed it. I think Dune is in pretty safe hands. There's another movie coming out this year, though, that's by one of your favorites, right, Mike? Uh, old Nolan. I do love Nolan. That's this year? I didn't know that was this year. Tenet, July 17th, 2020 is Tenet. Yeah, I'm excited for that. That looks interesting. I don't know what it's about exactly, but man, I'm sold already. <laughs> you can't argue with Nolan, right? If you're interested in directors and that kind of stuff and following them at all, watching Nolan from his first film, the following, up to um, like Interstellar and uh, Dunkirk, if you watch them all up, it's very interesting to see his progression. And yeah, he's one of the only directors that studios will just rain money on him. He did make The Dark Knight, which is the best superhero film ever made and probably always will be. <laughs> yeah, him and his his brother. Um, 
Jonathan. Yeah, who doesn't get a ton of credit, but he like writes everything that they do. Like they do everything as a team almost. I don't know if they learned how to work Hollywood to get complete creative freedom on everything they do and still get money for it or what. And I hope someone makes a documentary about that sometime. All his movies have been like big hits too, though, which is the thing. That's why they'll let him do anything is because no matter what he does, people go and see it, which is probably telling of his like skill level. He's like in that weird ground between like, I guess, what's a good comparison? Like maybe I'm sure this has probably already been made before, but like maybe like almost like Steven Spielberg and Stanley Kubrick. He's like in that weird middle ground where it's like kind of heady and like, what's the word? Like, uh... Uh, it's like a thinking movie, but it's also very approachable at the same time. And you can, most people can get down and get down with it. Like, like Inception. That's the perfect description of that film. <laughs> yeah. A huge concept. It's very out there, but like it was a huge hit. People liked it. He nailed it just perfectly. Those are some of the movies that the critics and the audience, they agree about everything almost besides probably um, The Following and uh, Memento, which. Even Memento, it's still a pretty close, you know, comparison. But everything else he did after Memento, it's like everybody's like, this movie's amazing. I got kind of three categories here for my 2020 stuff. I've got, well, well, let's just start with a couple little known horror movies that I'm pretty excited From to see. From Dan? What? Actually, yeah. Coming out pretty soon is Gretel Gretel and Hansel, which I actually am kinda excited for and want to see. I don't know if I don't know if I'll see it in the theater, but it looks real creepy and I hope that it actually lives up to the, the trailer. It probably won't, but you know, that story's always been creepy and how he's handling it with that film, it looks pretty creepy. So that actually looks pretty cool. I have not seen any trailers for that. I am curious now. I need to... <laughs> I just assumed it was looked bad. The Lodge. Yes. The Lodge looks utterly terrifying. Oh, man. We gotta go to the Lodge. And it looks really good. And then Antlers. Ooh, Antler. Yes. Antlers looks good. I'm excited for that. That looks, I mean, creepy as well. Let me just jump in here. Terry told me about that movie, the Antlers. And then he was reading the, the short story. I was sitting there playing games next to him while he was reading it. All the lights on. I don't even remember what game I was playing, but Terry just goes, Ooh! <laughs> 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 I'm like, you okay? He's like, oh, I was just reading this real creepy story. <laughs> He's like, I, I couldn't finish it, so I've been reading it all day. <laughs> I couldn't finish it one thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good short story, man. Like, oh, man, this could be a cool movie. That trailer, like, yeah, sold me on the concept of whatever it is right away. So I'm excited for those. Of course, if we get Dune, that's going to be my number one. And then Tenet, of course, I'm super excited for. Out of those, though, we've got some franchise movies that I am very excited for. But as much as 2019 was a great year for film, it was a terrible year for people who love franchise films because we saw the destruction of Terminator and the destruction of Star Wars and probably some other ones I've like blocked out of my mind because they were so bad and destroyed things I loved as a child. <laughs> We've got two more coming out. Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'm very excited for, but especially since it has nothing to do with the terrible 2016 one, I'm very excited for this new Ghostbusters, but they're probably going to screw it up. Seems very soon to be doing another Ghostbusters reboot or whatever this is. This is a sequel. As, as long as it gets rid of the terrible Paul Feige one, then I am, I am a-okay with it. So that, and then Top Gun Maverick. Uh. You be quiet, TV. <laughs> Top Gun is a great movie. I've seen Terry watching it many times when he what? thinks 
I'm not looking. He loves <laughs> Top Gun, and so do I. Top Gun is Boo. great. Classic movie from that time period. And you know what? I actually have the most faith in this one being good out of all of these franchise films, I guess. I think this would be the one that would be the best. There's some other franchise films coming out that I am scared for. Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, that looks good. I'm excited. I want to see that, but I am very worried about that from the trailer. I think that one could turn out to be a mess if it's not handled right. I really liked the first one, but the third act was not that great. And it looks like this one could be more of that. So we'll see. We'll see, but I'm worried about that. Black Widow looks good too. But it looks like they're going for a spy Avengers film as opposed to an espionage spy thriller, which I'm not a fan of them doing. Man, and the villain, Taskmaster, looks lame. Come on. Yes, he does. They screwed up Taskmaster in an era where they're being pretty good with the costumes for the superheroes and villains. Yeah, he's just wearing like a motorcycle helmet. Come on. He don't even have a cape. He better have a sword or else it's going to get a minus one point. He fights Deadpool too, right? Yeah, yeah. He fights a lot of people. He's kind of like a mercenary as well, if I remember right. Yeah. And then the one I'm most worried about is Godzilla versus Kong. I'm so excited. Oh, man. Why did you pick Adam Wingard? He's the worst pick for that no experience with this type of thing and he has like 50 50 on hits and junk so what just watch death note if you don't know who this guy is i'm sorry terry you can't convince me when he made the live action death note (laughs) man you really do need to watch his first two movies they're great like seriously i mean i believe you but he still made that crap so that this is not in his wheelhouse, so I am extremely worried about this one. They should have let the same guy who did the most recent Godzilla movie do it. Yeah, Michael Dowdery or whatever. The fights in that movie were so awesome. I loved it. Yeah, and he definitely had a huge respect for like the, the original movies and stuff, too. You could really tell. like He was very passionate about it, so... I do agree. Like, I would love to see more Godzilla movies with that guy, but I'll give out, I'll give Wingard a chance because I am a fan of his. Those are mine, and then of course whatever A twenty four puts out, I'm excited to see too. All right, so for our next category, I think we're gonna do a round of recommendations. Oh yeah, we're gonna do three recommendations from three lucky listeners. I'm pumped. For our first one, we're gonna do Cat Baloo. What the heck is a cat baloo? <laughs> I don't know what this is at all, but it was posted on our wall on Facebook, so I It's an guess. old western, kinda. I'll tell you what I told the guys just now. It's got Jane Fonda in it, and Jane Fonda is a fox. <laughs> like Fox Jackson? <laughs> Not Fox Jackson, but a fox. Surprise, it's me, Jane Fonda. <laughs> I'm pumped for cat baloo. I'm not gonna lie, I'm ready. Yeah, something out of the ordinary. So we're going to do a whole round of listener requests. And if you listeners have any requests, you can send them in to us at uh, runtherealpodcast.gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter at runthereal. Feel free to send us requests. We may choose them and do them in our next round of recommendations. So just throw them our way, I guess. Yeah, please do. We we decided we're going to do a revolving request category, so. So we're doing three of these movies in this uh, category, so first one Cat Blue, the rest are a surprise. You'll have to find out for yourself. Alright, well thanks for listening to us everybody tonight. We're looking forward to a bunch of stuff in 2020, so stick around for that as well. This is Run The Real, signing off. Thank you.